0: Welcome to the show, and thanks for checking us out. We got Ace Von Johnson on deck today, and Ace is a really interesting guy. Uh, He's got some great stories, and we talk a lot about uh, everything, really. We discuss horror movies, voiceover work he's done, pit bulls, and, of course, a lot of music talk from all the bands that he's been a part of, including L.A. Guns, Faster Pussycat, Unwritten Law, and a new one he has called Neon Coven that's really cool stuff, uh, plus, he tells the story of uh, working on a Michael Jackson song. Um, he also has a new song coming out with the pop star Tiffany. So that's exciting. And lots, just lots of great stuff in this episode that I think if you're a fan of Ace, you're going to love this. And people who don't know who Ace is, you will become a fan after listening to this in- interview. So check it out. Welcome Ace Von Johnson to the show. Uh, we got a lot to talk about horror movies, music, voice acting, pitbulls, and so much more. So let's just dive right in. Sure. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> you don't sound as excited as I sound.
1: Uh <laughs> I'll explain more off the record.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Like- we'll, we'll get I'll distract you. Whatever problems you're having, we're going to have fun. This is going to be a good time. So, let's start at the beginning of your life. Your dad was like really into building dirt bikes and motorcycles. And so you had all that a lot of that growing up, but also he got you into horror movies. So tell me about. Were you five? Is that how? Did I hear that right? That That's when you started watching horror movies?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're a kid or whatnot, hang on, I got to take this collar off the dog because she is going to try to distract me through this whole process.
0: Oh, yeah. I got um, my cat right here. I'm hoping he doesn't jump in front of the camera. But yeah, that's just the, the life we live with, with pets. Yeah,
1: pet, pet owners. Yeah. Um, yeah, my dad. Wow, you know your stuff. Yeah, my dad. <laughs> turn me i mean you can kind of see some stuff behind me um yeah i, I just i just moved into a, a new house so it's it's only partially done here okay but um i moved in here and i'm trying to get it decorated but yeah i'm a big an avid horror movie fan and um i got turned on to that you know the classics and stuff when i was a kid because of my my dad and and uh so i grew up around uh motorcycle culture and horror movies i mean that was kind of
0: So what are some of your favorite horror movies like back in the day? I mean, just all the classics like Friday the 13th and the slashers and stuff, or, um, well, I go by,
1: I kind of go by like, uh, era eras. So there's like the classics, you know, from like late, I guess, technically the late twenties through what I would say, maybe like 1970. And then I would go from like early seventies until like the turn of the century, and then I would go more contemporary. So I kind of split things up like that. For me, I'm, I'm I, I do love me some slashers, but I'm pretty particular. Like um, I'm not a I would I would prefer a good. Uh, am I allowed to swear? Should oh yeah, swear? fucking
0: swear shit.
1: Okay, dick. I prefer a good. I prefer a good mind fuck over mind fuck. Uh, yeah, yeah gory, totally. No, some gory stuff. But my favorite stuff is mostly you know the things from my childhood so it's either stuff i was shown by my dad like uh i have an affinity for vincent price's work so i have a lot of uh fond memories of you know house on haunted hill house on wax house of wax uh uh the fly return of the fly that kind of stuff um and then getting into the sort of more 80s era not a lot of slashers although i I, i'm a huge nightmare on elm street fan
0: Mm.
1: um but more so stuff like Creep Show and Return Ooh, of the Living Dead. Yes. And, uh, you know, pretty much anything where you – and I'm not sure your age, but I'm 38. So anything in the late 80s, early 90s where you were just attracted to the VHS box art.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's how I would pick them out, too. I was like, oh, this – especially when you said creep show, I was like, I remember that. That had the coolest cover. And, like, Tales from the Crypt, that show – was really yeah. cool like, similar kind of do you ever watch the black mirror have you seen that show on netflix
1: I, yeah i have i got oh. kind of lost halfway through the uh what was the sort of f- uh, feature length version they did the movie.
0: oh yeah that wasn't as i the, sh- the regular show was was brilliant but yeah some of the the newer stuff that in the yeah the feature length was a little odd but
1: it was a bit it was a bit much but i i love that show black mirror I, I the only thing is i feel like a lot of the episodes are too close to home mm. i think they're just a little too scary uh, stuff yeah yeah you know i mean it's obviously meant to be sort of social commentary and uh it definitely does its its job there Mm -hmm. but uh i i do like that and i obviously have seen i believe every single episode of tales from the crypt the hbo series that's a
0: great show yeah now is it true that your uh your cousin mark lester he's a movie director he directed commando and firestarter and some great movies
1: yeah that's uh that is a fact uh I was on, he did, he directed a movie called class of 80, 1984. Right. That's uh, was Michael J. Fox's first film. And, uh, and so it became kind of a cult movie. And then there's a sequel called class of 1999 with Malcolm McDowell. And uh, who's in that? Like Vivica. uh,
0: You got uh, to go on set for that one, right?
1: Yeah. Stacey Keach is in it. It's it's, it's kind of a who's who of cult actors. And I was on set for that as a little boy uh, during one of the, uh, climactic scenes. It's it, the movie's kind of a toss up between blackboard jungle and Terminator. Okay. And so there's a scene where this Android malevolent teacher robot thing is climbing up a, uh, fire escape after the, the heroine, And I was on set for that. And I was probably like seven or eight.
0: Oh, and that's cool. It,
1: it blew my mind. And, uh,
0: Did any of the shit like scare you as a kid? Like, cause I remember seeing Amityville horror when I was like, I don't know, eight or something. I was scared for like two years. I couldn't sleep. I mean, that movie scared the shit out of me. It wasn't until like I was 13, 14 that I could dive back into horror movies. Like I was too freaked out to watch them.
1: I, you know, nothing. And I'll tell you, I, like I said, I have some stuff going on lately. That's definitely for off, off record, but it it takes a lot. It takes a lot to scare me.
0: Hmm.
1: And, uh, like I said, I think the mind fuck stuff is, is what gets with me more than for sure. You know, some alien or a yeah. Monster
0: yeah. Or, or a, right. You know, well, that's why uh, Amityville horror scared me so much. Cause supposedly it was a true story. And so that would, yeah, I was like, Oh, this yeah, is going to happen
1: to me. I've been to the Amityville house many Ooh. a time. Uh, there's that's a, cool. there's a venue there, I think called the revolution. And it's literally maybe four blocks from the Amityville house. And <sighs> I have played that club at, maybe half a dozen times. And so okay. every time I'm over there, somebody inherently wants to go uh, gotcha. to visit the Amityville house. So I've been over there and they've, they've kind of, kind of tweaked it a little bit and it doesn't really look as the same as it obviously did in the seventies. Sure. But, sure. but it's still, still cool to visit.
0: Cool. Well, the other obviously big part of your life is music and you didn't, yeah. you didn't really get into music till you were about, I don't know. I think it was, you said nine or 10. Some, your neighbor gave you the Metallica black album on cassette, yeah. which is also one of the first CDs that I owned. Um, that album. And it was really good. But then this was cool. Cause you kind of, you liked Metallica and so you went and got interested in their influences. And then you became this like big Misfits fan, which is really cool.
1: Huge, huge Misfits fan. Uh, uh, you know, and, and th- there was this weird turning point. I was probably 12. Uh, Cause it was, I know by 13, I like was, had the devil lock and everything. So right, right. 11 or 12. And I was really into Metallica and someone had, and you know, the Black Album was like the biggest album of all fucking time, more or less. Sure. In the early 90s and yeah. you couldn't escape them. Right. So circa 90, 94, I was 11. I would have turned 12 in December. So let's just say late 94, 95, someone gave me for my birthday or whatever, a coffee table book on Metallica, mm. which I wish I still had. And in nearly, and it was, if you think about that time frame, the bulk of the photos were pre black album. And so right. in almost every huh. photo, someone was wearing a misfits t-shirt, totally, yeah. James or, uh, or Kirk or cliff. And I saw he had the same skull tattooed on him. And I was like, what, what is this? And, years later uh i think it was joe strummer from the clash i I remember this quote that i use all the time says listen to your favorite bands favorite band right and so i went to the record store and i picked up walk among us and i remember having this like you know light bulb went off and i was like these song titles sound like they're about horror movies and Perfect. I was like, this song's called Vampyra. This song's called Skulls. This one's called, these are, I think these are, these, some of these are named after movies. And I took it home and I was just sort of discovering punk rock my, within that same year. Mm-hmm. My sister had given, my uh, sister who's about 13 years my senior. And she had given me some Ramones and some, like the damned or something like that. And so I put it on. It was a familiar punk rock vibe, but they looked like Kiss, which I didn't, <laughs> wasn't a fan of. Right. But they look scary and scary and kind of yeah. greaser or whatever. And then all the songs were, you know, 72 seconds long and about horror movies. And it, I just was like, this is it. This is my band. I'm obsessed. And I saved up my allowance until like every, every month. And I had to have every, every album and, uh, I buying duplicates just because I didn't want the other neighborhood kids to have them, you know, I was like oh. trying to like, uh, what huh. do you call that? Like, uh, horde, horde, but like, uh, like sanction this band because I, I just wanted it to be my own private band. thing. Sure.
0: So did and other uh, kids when you're, you got the, the, uh, I don't know what you, what do you call that? The haircut, the misfits haircut, the,
1: the devil lock,
0: the yeah. devil lock. Okay. So you got the devil lock and you're probably wearing misfits t-shirts and shit or kids yeah. like bullying you. I think you, did you say something you got bullied a little bit from the jocks and like, how'd you handle that? Did you get into fights with them or did you just kind of let them push you around or,
1: you know, okay. So I did. Okay. So I lived in L I was born and raised in Los Angeles and I lived there until I was maybe 14, however old you are going into eighth grade. So 13, 13. Yeah. So I had sort of my own little identity by that point, I was listening to Metallica and I was kind of expanding beyond that. But then I was listening to, uh, whatever else I had discovered that I liked, whether it was the beastie boys or the beach boys or, uh, Megadeth or black flag or the Eagles. Cause my mom was a big Eagles fan. So I had this very eclectic music taste, uh, uh at an early age. And even then, uh, cause a lot of the kids I knew were into like, what was early nineties hip hop, like, mm. uh, Dr. Dre and like, uh, you know, easy e, just that the, the kind of obvious stuff. And sure. so I even was listening to a lot of that, which I still listen to. I just got a new killer stereo system here, courtesy of one Tony Higby from Tom Kiefer. Oh yeah. And the first thing I thought to crank with the low end was a bunch. It was like, uh, uh, uh the first Snoop Dogg record. You know, it was like okay, oh, those
0: bass lines, nice.
1: But so I liked what I liked, and nobody cared. But then I relocated to San Diego, going in eighth grade, and it was it was clicky. There was mm. like the punk kids and the metal kids and the, the jocks and the this, and I had no friends. And mm. I remember I showed up on my first day of school with a giant misfit shirt on and I, you know, everyone, you know, I don't want to say anything offensive, but they were calling me, you know, the F word, you know, and I don't mean fuck, you know, it, and so, you know, it just was, you know, kids are mean, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got picked on a little bit in eighth grade by a guy named Joe who was like a kind of jock. I remember totally because his favorite band was unwritten law,
0: which you later joined.
1: Yeah. So years later, I mean, I just remember that that's fucking crazy, but but Joe, Joe wasn't that bad. Joe was just like a bully jock, kind of a jerk. Okay. Uh, and, and then at some point in, at that same year. And it's so funny because so much of this stuff has become like my, my circle of friends, but uh, there was a compilation that came out and it was a Misfits tribute album. I'm going way down the rabbit hole here. I love it. And it's great. It had what was a lot of the sort of jock rock bands that we, okay. that's what we call it. It was like Pennywise and No Effects and the Bouncing Souls and and Greg, the singer of the Bouncing Souls, just randomly texted me yesterday. These are like people I'm friends with and have toured with now. But so at some point there was a turning point where the Misfits became cool with the sort of jock sure you know like sort of not skaters but the like you know the like sports guys Mm -hmm. and so no longer were they making fun of me for looking like i was a Misfits super fan they were kind of like oh yeah nice Uh, misfits right on you know but i still wasn't cool and then i got into my uh, what is that freshman year high school the next year sure that's when i started getting like flat out bullied okay you know and uh there was a guy and i, I i'll never forget because i only went to this school for a year and a half and his name was billy and he was like uh like a skinhead and not like a nazi skinhead but just like skinhead punk rock you know oh, okay head, the doc martens there's this whole other subculture story. sure right but um you know like dropkick murphy yeah yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. In, you know like Which you toured with the class punk rock yeah, thing yeah. and uh And he, the same thing, he would call me, you know, I'm just going to say it. They would, uh, the term that I got called a lot was faggot. So he'd walk by me and call me that. And I remember he would throw an apple at me every day because I sat by myself, Hmm. you know, and I just, you know, I just moved to this town. I had like two friends. uh, And so, and he had a beanie and on the top of it, he had made his homemade patch of his favorite band Hmm was the u.s bombs
0: that's another band so, you played with
1: <laughs> and carry the guitar player the sort of slash of the u.s bombs i just i was on the phone with him last night still one of my closest friends in the world so it's just i always these are this these is stories so
0: like to weird sort of, this is so weird i like
1: to share those because it's like yeah that okay, is awesome that, that guy that picks on you you yeah. never know because you may end up in his favorite band i love it be able to do
0: one of these <laughs> that is fucking awesome so you start playing guitar and yeah. then in 17 you make your first you join your first band pbr and it's kind of was yeah. kind of like a rancid uh type punk band but did now do you sing on this one too and play guitar
1: i i was the brain that was my band i sang i played guitar i wrote everything okay i, even, I was a uh taskmaster. I was, you know, I wrote the bass lines. I told the drummer what to do. And it was, it was, a, you know, I was just trying to be rancid. That was okay. you know, really into stiff little fingers, really into the clash, really into rancid, that kind of stuff. And it right. was circa 2001, 2000, uh, you know, still in high school. Uh, we put out an EP. We did it. We did some regional touring. We, you know, we got all the way up to Seattle and went up to the Bay area a couple times and oh. we were all in high school, Wow. you know, and we, we did all that ourselves and I was opening for national acts. I mean, we got to support the misfits, the misfits, uh, you know, and, uh, and I'm trying to think who else we played with, uh, just a, a, a ton of bands. Yeah. Somebody, I don't even know. Just Well,
0: so yeah. On. And then you're in a bunch of during, for the next whatever 10 years or whatever, you're in a bunch of bands, uh, cheap sex, madcap U S bombs that we mentioned oh, generators, okay. yeah. uh, eventually later unwritten law Murphy's law, um, but I think it was around 19, you got to tell me this story. One of these bands that you were in, somebody gave you the nickname ACE, which has yeah. nothing to do with ACE freely. So what, is there a story there with the name ACE? Yeah.
1: So, uh, so, okay. So I did PBR for a few years and, uh, and then me and my friends started cheap sex, which was basically an offshoot of my band PBR. At one point it was my entire band with a different singer. Hmm and uh and that kind of like hair punk you know mohawks and all that stuff like G- gbh the exploited that kind of stuff and um and then i was booking all these shows and networking and working my ass off and i started bringing bands to san diego and booking shows in orange county and this that, and the other thing and again i was still a teenager and uh, there was a band out of la called madcap that had a record deal and they were friends of mine i brought them down a few times and uh one thing led to another and they had fired, they had fired their guitar player and they said, they called me and I was in, uh, I was 18 or 19. I was in my first year of college and which didn't last very long. And they called me and said, Hey, we just fired Alfredo. Uh, we're on tour right now with a band called fallout boy who hadn't, wow. hadn't broke yet. Okay, were, Fallout boy was opening for Madcap." And they said, we're going to be back in LA in 10 days. We need a guitar player. Will you come audition? And I said, and I, and it's funny because I still say this now. I said, well, I will, but I'm not going to audition. You either think I'm the guy or I'm not because I'm not playing Yngwie Malmsteen stuff. It's just bar chords. Right. So you either, I'm either the guy or I'm not, let's not waste each other's time. And Hmm. so sure enough, I went up to Burbank and uh, I rehearsed with them. I auditioned or rehearsed with them twice. And less than a month later, I was in a van and I went on tour for two years straight. And on that very first tour I did with them, I was 19. And part of my hazing was we started a tour uh, supporting a band called Simple Plan, which was a pretty big pop.
0: Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we started with them and it's the tour started in Jacksonville, Florida. And so part of my hazing was they made me more or less single-handedly drive this van and trailer in a cono line, pulling a thing full of equipment all the way to Florida. And uh, we hadn't even got out of LA yet. And I, I was driving over uh, like a merging of freeways and there was a like a pile up and all these cars uh, were slamming into each other and I swerved into the emergency lane and was driving and slowing down down the emergency road lane of the highway. And you could see all these cars smashing into each other and my singer, who unbeknownst to me, because I didn't understand the ins and outs of it, but he was a little uh, under the influence. Nose inside.
0: candy?
1: Okay. Yeah. And he jumped in between the seats. He's like, oh my God, you fucking ace that, man. You ace! Check out the new guy. Ace and saved our lives or whatever <laughs> it was. And they started, they started calling me Ace Rumbler because I have a naturally baritone voice and I was hitting the rumble strips.
0: <laughs> okay. So... Oh, that's they, a pretty
1: cool story. They were like, "Oh, your your name is Ace Rumbler now," and I thought that was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and and so the Rumbler thing lasted all of like ten days. Mm. But by the as you, I'm sure you can imagine, or maybe you know, you get on the road and you're like, "Oh, this is this is Jimmy," but everyone calls him Switchblade. By the end of the tour, he's Switchblade. So by the know. end of this tour, everyone was calling me Ace, mm. and it didn't really gravitate to me because it just associated it with Kiss. Yeah, I was never, I love Kiss now, but I didn't get into Kiss sort of on my own until I was in my late 20s and maybe mid 20s. And so at this point I was like, "Ugh, like, like the guy from Kiss, Ace, really? And so then I had to come home and sort of, uh, there was this weird offshoot of people that knew me as Ace and then people that knew me by my real name. Mm. And then eventually after maybe a year, a year or two, by the time I was probably 20, 21, I just was, that's just who I am. That's just, you know, when I think of myself in the third person, albeit a bit, uh, silly. I just, that's my name, you know? So right. that's how, that's how that story came about.
0: That's uh, pretty cool. So you're playing in all these bands. And then another one that you're in was, uh, Charlie and the Valentine killers. And that, that's not like looking back. It's kind of an all-star band. I mean, it had you, oh, yeah. Carrie Kelly, who worked with Alice Cooper slash, and he's a night Ranger. Now Brian yeah. Forsyth from kicks we've had on the show. Uh Chad Stewart from Faster Pussycat and um Jerry was it Jerry Montano from Danzig sure. on bass? And yeah. then uh Danny Nordhall who's also on Pussycat. And so that's how you got hooked up with the Faster Pussycat guys, and then they needed a guitar player and they asked you to is that how a lot of this stuff works is networking, right? It's
1: all everything in my life is networking. And um I did I did Madcap, I did this, I did that, I did Murphy's Law, and then I was playing with a guy named Dwayne Peters, who's a skateboarder. And, uh, we had a band, we had a few bands and then his most known band is the U S bombs. And so that was kind of the first half of my twenties was going from madcap to the U S bombs and a myriad of other bands. And the U S bombs booking agent was Charlie Overby. And Charlie was, um, a guy in the late eighties that had a band in LA, um, called big bang babies. And his guitar player was Carrie Kelly. So charlie was booking these punk bands you know the us bombs and the dwarves and the super suckers but he had his finger on the pulse of that sort of 80s rock scene Mm -hmm. and he said uh i was probably 24 and i was looking to get out of playing in all these punk bands because i idolized them as as a young man but i was living with some guys and working with some guys and seeing how much money or how little money was to be made in that sort of scene. And I also, as a musician, guitar player, was expanding beyond just bar chords and whatever else. And I, you know, I to, the joke I make is I was listening to less stiff little fingers and more than Lizzie, less misfits, more Alice Cooper, some more guitar oriented stuff. And he approached me, I was probably 24. And he said, Hey, you know, you, you're playing with Dwayne and these guys in the bombs you, you look, I mean, I basically look the same now. And he goes, uh, you got this look, you you look cool, but you look like you should be in a rock band. Why are you in these stupid punk bands? <laughs> and I said, Well, I'm trying to get in, I want to play rock. Music. Okay. I'm, I, you know, more interested in KISS and uh ELO and whatever else, guitar-wise and music-wise than I am about, you know, punk rock. Um, which is funny because now I've come full circle and pretty much all I listen to now is is just punk rock. But um, and so he pulled me into the Valentine Killers and it, he had already had sort of an all-star lineup. And I, th- I think, I guess I basically was replacing Brian Forsyth. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and the drummer was, uh, Chad. And I think at the time, the fir- at the time, the bass player was Jerry and then Jerry Montano. I owe a lot of my life to him because he brought me into a hole. He's like, Hey, he, he, I became like his little buddy. He's like, Hey, we're going to go to Zach wild's house today, you know, and like, we're going to go to the rainbow. And he started taking me to the rainbow every day and and then I just started meeting people and you know it was like oh wow we're hanging with the guy from Soundgarden, and we're going here and we're going there and we're going to this event we're gonna to go to Nam this after party at this thing for Nam or and then I was a kid I was
0: 24 25 damn and then, that's pretty cool child not childhood but 20s damn yeah
1: and so I started just networking and meeting people and uh and that led to a ton of opportunities. Uh, that's what got me inadvertently on the, uh, I did a Michael Jackson session. Yeah. I
0: was going to ask you about that. Released. So tell me the story with that. Like um, the, I don't know if it was ever released. Did you actually work directly with Michael Jackson or. No,
1: cause he was deceased at that
0: point. Okay. So it was a posthumous thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was posthumous the... recorded and released. Uh, well, would have been released. So, yeah. So Jerry sort of similar to Charlie, was doing and the charlie thing was great because we did we toured with we did a bunch of dates with the head cat lemmy's band so i got to oh,
0: you know wow. do a
1: few dates with lemmy and shoot pool with him and i've got some great lemmy stories and 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 then we went out with david allen Coe but then i think jerry kind of did the same thing where he was like oh i want to do this sort of like americana you know uh like mike mike nest social d meets black crows kind of thing and so Jerry brought me in to do his solo band, which was comprised of Mike Dupke, who at the time was in wasp mm. and, uh, Mike Mark Zavon, who, um, at one point we, we were jamming and it was basically the band that turned into kill devil Hill. We had uh, Jason oh. singing a couple songs and it was a weird little culmination of things there. And then, uh, and some other stuff. I'll, i so, all, all the stories.
0: Wait, but, So uh, give me the, give me a lemmy story. You said you had a bunch of good lemmy stories. I haven't heard any of these.
1: Oh, sure. Well, okay. Let me tell you the, the Michael Jackson one, since.
0: Oh yeah. Right.
1: So, I mean, I, I you know, somebody, somebody kind of, somebody approached me about writing a book a few, about two years ago. And I, I was not interested, but we had one of these conversations and he goes, you definitely could write a book. And I said, Oh, I know I could write a book. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, Jerry and I are doing this record, and it's being produced by a guy named James Murray. and James Murray was a very was a very famous engineer. He did basically any new metal band you can think of. He did drowning pool, like let the body put the bodies at the floor. He did a uh, uh, static X, I think. he did Lincoln Park. He did a ton of stuff and um, engineer wise. And then he and his partner were doing stuff for American Idol, like the overnight mixes and everything else. And he had his hands on a lot of big things. and So we're doing this Jerry solo album, which never, I think formally came out, um, which was actually the last thing that uh, I think his name was Paul from Slipknot who passed away. He Mm. played on a track and then passed away very shortly after. Um, And so that, even that I think is unreleased. So I don't know if you could quote me on that, but I know that he came in to do some stuff, but I digress. And so James um, and I were drinking buddies and uh, we were out one day and you know, I had already joined Pussycat. So this is probably like 2011 mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, long after the Jerry thing, at least by a year or three. And uh, he, I said, you know, we were sitting there having a beer at the Burgundy room in Hollywood. And he, I said, what are you working on? I said, oh, I'm doing a batch of these Michael Jackson songs. Cause they're doing this posthumous album and they're doing, uh, you know, this famous producer gets these three songs, this famous producer gets these three songs. And he was engineering for a guy named nephew. Who's a famous Grammy winning hip hop uh, producers, Rihanna, Eminem, Dre, that whole scene. And so he was doing these, this batch of MJ songs. And he, and I said, right on, how's it going? He said, Oh, we're done. We got one more song to do tomorrow. i got to finish a few guitar things and we're done.
0: Hmm.
1: And I said, well, oh, man, like what the hell, bro? What you could have called me and had done it for a case of beer. <laughs> And he goes, yeah, yeah, but they've got all this protocol and guys wow. they use and all this is what you expect. And so uh, we're drinking and we're drinking. And he goes, you know what? Fuck it. He goes, well, why don't we <laughs> go to the studio and, and 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 mess around with one of these songs? And I mean, the story's pretty involved, but I'll kind of give you the 10 cent version. So we go there and he goes, we've got all these guitars. I, do I need to go home and get my stuff? And we're drunk. It's like two in the morning. <laughs> Jesus, God. He throws me on the back of his Harley. And I ride bitch up to Burbank to the studio, and he goes, "No, nah, no, nah, we got guitars there." And we get there, and all the wall hangers where all the guitars go were all cleared out. And he goes, oh, "I forgot." He goes, "On Monday, uh, Lincoln Park is coming in to tax some <laughs> stuff, and they cleared all the equipment." So we're looking oh. around. There's got to be a guitar here. It's like a professional studio, and we find in this closet this dirty ass old white Stratocaster <laughs> with the strings are all corroded, <laughs> like playing dark wire. And oh. and he we go fuck it. He goes that that'll do. And he, I, I I swear to God I go. He goes. Do you want to hear the track? And I said I don't want to hear it. I, I just want to jam along. I said. Tell me what the BPM is in the key. He goes. It's A minor and it's in like you know 122. I said sure. So this track starts rolling and I'm sitting there with this guitar and just played a couple funky things like what what I'm playing a strat on an MJ song. Like, <laughs> and it's
0: three in the morning and, and you're drunk and.
1: And we do three passes. <laughs> the song uh-huh. and he goes, all right, you're done. And he puts his headphones on and I'm like, okay, and he's doing what he does professionally. He's editing and moving stuff around and he had highlighted some stuff he liked okay. during the passes, you know, <laughs> 20 minutes go by and he goes, all right, you want to hear your song? And I said, sure. And he p- presses play and he plays me this Michael Jackson song with these little guitar parts in it. That were me. And I was like, wow, that's so fucking cool, man. And I knew no one would believe me. And it's some, it's out there in the ether somewhere. Uh-huh. So I put my phone on video and I go, hey, back it up. Let me hear that part again. And I videotaped because I wasn't <laughs> for <it>. sure.
0: <This>
1: <laughs> and, he, and, and he goes, ha, 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 that was fun. No one, you'll never hear it again. And that'll be the end of it. And I said, you know, and that's just what I assumed. Yeah. So he puts me in an Uber. I go home and I wake up the next morning and I've got a bunch of missed phone calls from him. And I, and I you know, it's 10 or 11 in the morning, I call him back. I'm like, what's up? And he goes, uh, hey, I need you to get over here right now and I was like what's up and he goes well nephew's here and he loves what you did and we're canceling the session guy we want to use you and I was like wow. really so nice uh, so I show back up I clean up some stuff and then they want me to redo the solo formally with like you know effects and stuff cuz I was just going in basically straight into an amp dry there was sure no, yeah no pretty you know nothing so that became a whole thing and blah 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 the song ended up getting cut from the album the mm. version but they mixed and mastered it and intended to put it on there but hmm. they went in favor of the same song the same uh, vocal track from MJ but by a different producer who built from scratch a uh, more sort of contemporary hip hop oh. uh sort of dancey version of the song okay. that didn't have didn't have guitars didn't have, didn't guitars. have live drums gotcha and so a couple of years went by and I was talking to a friend of mine who's a big uh, music uh uh entertainment lawyer and one of the big f- factors in the story is uh I'm there sorry. They go. somebody pulled in my driveway and oh. I'm just slightly concerned okay um and and I'll tell you why later okay. so um so uh I just can't escape the phone doing obnoxious sound stuff in the background I'm
0: sorry eh, it happens
1: so uh so James was working out a deal for me to get paid for the session and uh some Sorry,
0: do you want to take a break or
1: no? No, no, I'm just getting it's this ring thing.
0: Oh, okay, I've I'm got sure. one of those. Is somebody there or
1: yeah, so someone just leaving a package there. Oh, okay, it just could, couldn't be a more inopportune moment for someone <laughs> to try to make all the devices hey. in my house simultaneously go off. Hey, at
0: least the dog's being good. He's she doesn't, care. She,
1: yeah. <laughs> she's she, indifferent, yeah. So, uh so James, uh, uh, passed away about a month after we recorded oh. and, uh, he would, he was in a really shitty motorcycle accident. That was uh, someone else's fault. Ooh. And so, um, so I never, uh, I never got any sort of, um, I basically was never credited or paid for the session. Uh-huh. And so this became kind of a campfire story, you know, sure, 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 sure you did. And, um. And I've since since then obviously uh, developed a line of communication with with nephew since, but um, at the time for a few years I just felt like I had done this really great thing that no one was ever going to see or hear. And the friend of mine who's an entertainment lawyer, she said, you know, you have um, because you weren't paid, you have a little bit of rights.
0: Oh. Um
1: And but because you'd be going up <clears throat> against basically Michael Jackson's estate, you're you're going you're going to lose. Yeah. But she yeah. said your your best bet is to just bootleg it and just oh. release it you know and digitally Mm -hmm. and so i basically wrote up in in typed out what i uh, the longer version of the story i just told you and put it up on soundcloud and it grew some legs and for about two years it was in every interview i ever did everyone had a question about it Mm. and uh and it got you know uh spread around the internet like basically if you type in ace von johnson and michael jackson yeah pop up tenfold and so that's kind of that whole thing okay uh I wish it had been former formally released. Uh, the last conversation I had with James was, uh, one of them was him telling me that even though they aren't putting it on the album, that at some point, because they'd already put the time and money into it, at some right. point it would come out on like a deluxe edition kind of thing.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that'd be cool. And so, you know, uh,
1: nephew's version, which is the thing that I'm on has been recognized and it's sort of considered, a. Uh, a formal bootleg, if you will, Mm. of, of this session. And I think the vocal track from Michael was from the late eighties or early nineties. So it's like kind of prime MJ. And, uh, and, and if you look on the, there's a a YouTube thing that features it. And the comments are pretty, pretty much like, this is what it was supposed to sound like versus versus the album version, which is sort of like
0: updated
1: and just kind
0: of R and I I didn't like that. I don't think I, I think I heard like one song and I was like, wasn't yeah, my cup of tea it, but the, uh, the
1: version i did was a little more like thriller and bad air okay yeah i like that, that stuff i like out. that it sounds like something that would come out now yeah like it had some like dubstep right and just, yeah
0: okay that's not like my that. cup of tea but so you're in Anyhow, faster let's let's yeah.
1: let's close that chapter yeah so, so that was a thing that was exciting and that still gets me that still gets me work oh um you know just by
0: mentioning sure it in general uh, yeah i mean that got put me, it on your resume uh, for sure
1: yeah uh that got me i i uh there was a thing where I was almost the bass player for 30 seconds to Mars.
0: Oh, that would have been cool. And that's
1: not something I've ever disc- disclosed publicly yet, but I don't care anymore. Wow. So, um, so that was what I led with was, well, I just did a session for Michael Jackson. Good. Yeah. Enough for him, you know?
0: <laughs> with Jared Leto. Um, so you got to meet Jared Leto. Stories,
1: man. Um, San Diego, we played brick by brick, Charlie and the Valentine killers and my tech, uh, whose name is Johnny pockets. Um, that some old school guys out there might know. Uh, he used to ride BMX uh, out in the Valley with uh, slash when they were kids. But so Johnny pockets plugged my amp in incorrectly. And I'm standing on the drum riser at this club and to the left of the stage where these little saloon doors uh, that go to the backstage or green room at uh, this club called brick by brick. And if you know anything about brick by brick, the dressing room is literally about, Four by eight. It's like the size of a bathroom stall. And, and Lemmy, God rest his soul is just sitting there watching the, the band, you know, watching us about to play. Cause he and Charlie are friends and whatnot. And I jump off the monitor and I do my thing and no sound comes out of my amp. And then Johnny runs on stage and we're plugging stuff in and the, we're already in the first song. And it's just a total shit show, mm. but I'm you know mortified, and I look over to my left and Lemmy's looking and I see the saloon doors swinging open and closed, and he's just looking at me shaking his head. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I totally the first show we do with head with with Lemmy here and head cat, I'm embarrassed myself, my amp's not even on, but whoops, and then uh later that evening he mercilessly kicked my ass at a a few rounds of pool, but um so yeah, so uh. uh I'm going to let you take the reins. Here. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. okay. So, yeah. So, Lem, me, I mean, God, that's yeah, a great story. So, but while you're in, I, this is a question I always wondered about with Faster Pussycat. You're in that band for like, I mean, I don't know if you're technically still in it, uh, sixth member or whatever you want to call it, right? But how come you guys never released any music during that entire time? I mean, I think the last record they did was like a live album in 2009.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is I had, wouldn't be able to answer that until about six months ago mm. and cause I never knew. And it, it infuriated me that I went from putting out an album every six months in all my bands. Mm-hmm. Some, I mean, sometimes I was putting out five albums a year or whatever it was, or yeah. was playing on them to joining Pussycat. I was 26. I'm trying to do the math.
0: 2009. I, they, I think.
1: I was 26 when they brought me in and it, I was 27 when I became a member. Okay. So, cause I came in in 2009 and I, I didn't actually, I rehearsed with them for about a month and then off and on, and then didn't get on stage with them for a few, uh, internal reasons until 2010. Okay. And so, but, and then at that point became a member. Um, I don't know if it's my position to be able to disclose why, but Tammy and, uh, some of the original guys collectively had uh, some sort of bogus thing where basically um, I'm trying to be vague here. Cause I don't want to, it's not my place to tell, but I think there was a okay. merchandising company that they owed money to, and they had basically garnished some sort of something to do with publishing. Okay. And so basically Taney said, I'm not putting out music until this gets resolved oh. because they were taking his money.
0: Oh. And so
1: it, go figure got resolved in the last uh, or or you know is is being resolved or has been resolved okay and so now that i'm sort of you know basically not really in the band anymore now he's recording music left and oh. right that being said i recorded probably 15 songs with Tammy in my 10-year tenure, tenure okay tenure, tenure if you will, uh, with the band, but none of them will ever come out. And I, mm. I have all those. I have this stuff oh. I recorded with, Gil- with Gilby Clark. I mean, you know, I'm sure someday I'll bootleg all those songs too.
0: Oh, that'd be but, awesome um, to hear. I um, love Gilby Clark. He's one of my favorites.
1: Oh, I love Gilby too. He's a good friend. And, oh. uh, and, uh, so we would record something and re-record it and Tammy would change his mind. And then he, when he got sober, then he wanted to scrap everything and start from scratch. Oh. And then that became a whole other process. And so, it just kind of went on and on and on. And then I got the LA guns gig two and a half years ago and then put all my focus there. And then, uh, my, uh, I'm kidding a bit, but he's sort of my protege, uh, Sam Bam Colton, who's playing for pussycat now. Yeah. in my stead, He's been over there cause he's a, uh, kind of a phenom. Yeah. So you
0: said, maybe, you said he's going to be huge in like five years, maybe less. Yeah.
1: He'll, he'll, he'll be, he'll be the next Jerry Cantrell or whatever, for sure.
0: Damn.
1: And so, uh, Sam, I put in there as sort of my temp, and I knew that it probably would be a, at least a long-term thing for mm-hmm. permanent. Okay. And uh, but you know, I mean, there were some shows that I was supposed to do with Pussycat last year, obviously due to COVID didn't happen. Mm. But uh I didn't quit. I didn't get fired. I basically subbed out indefinitely. And so Sam's in the band, and uh I'll I guarantee at some point in the future I'll be back on stage with Tammy and the guys. Cool. And I just went over there and recorded two more recent songs oh uh, one of which one or two of which will come out supposedly before april oh nice so um he's, he's going to put out a single like a physical like a seven inch i've seen it it's okay called, it's really cool
0: what's it called digital can you say that? can you say the name of the song
1: yeah it's uh i think it's nola i think it's new orleans okay so um and the b-side is a johnny thunders cover which
0: i'm ecstatic about nice that'll be and, cool uh, and then what of so, so yeah, so yeah. that,
1: uh, I don't even know what the question was, but, uh, pussycat,
0: why hadn't music. they released new music in the last 12 years or whatever? So they, that, they will be releasing. That's basically
1: why okay. To my, to my chagrin and, uh, you know, hopefully he'll get an album out within the year or two. I mean, I know he's got it in him. I've seen and played on or previous versions of the material, mm-hmm. Um, so I know it's there. It's just whether he wants to continue to nitpick and sort of right. redo and re redo, et cetera, et cetera. That's, et cetera. that's up to him. Yeah. But, uh, and
0: then, then there's new, he, yeah, there's new LA guns coming out that you're, I, I heard the single let you down, which is amazing. And there's going to yeah, be more to that, that, cause that sounds great. So, and you'll be on the, the next LA guns album for sure.
1: I'm actually going to be recording some stuff here in the next, uh, 72 hours for the next LA guns. Record.
0: Okay. Nice. So,
1: uh, so that's coming out. Um, I don't know anything about it other than we want it out. Okay, um, summerish maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the guy that speaks uh, incorrectly. Yeah, or out, of, out of turn here, but it'll be out obviously before the fall.
0: Right. Okay. Cool.
1: Um, and uh, and I I think we were supposed to. Don't quote me on this, but I think we were supposed to already have had it out. Uh, but we obviously with COVID and this, that, and the other thing, we weren't in a huge rush to just drop a record and have it just sit on the shelf. Right. For so sure. we've been a little more relaxed with that, but I've heard a few of the songs. Um, I don't know how many of mine are making the album. Obviously I know I can confirm that one of them is Okay, uh, possibly two, maybe a third, but I don't know. Don't again, don't quote me, but, uh, You know, this stuff's great. And I think the last two records, the reunion albums with Phil and Tracy are great. And, you know, I say that objectively, because I really had nothing to do with any of that. Mm. And, uh, you know, just kind of speaking as a friend and a fan. And I think the new single, Uh, Let You Down, is is phenomenal. I think it's much better than what the uh, other thing is putting out
0: well okay i know and i know everyone's cool. sick of hearing about this but i gotta bring it i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't ask you because there was just a recent thing where yeah. tracy sent a picture of the patent for la guns but then steve came back it's a no 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 we co-own the name and i've had steve on he's a nice guy i mean from what i can tell i don't know what goes on beyond this behind the scenes uh yeah. you know i've heard tracy in interviews he seems like a nice guy i i don't know what the solution is could could they buy Steve out? Would that be the solution to maybe buy him out of the name? That
1: I don't know, but I'm I'm guessing here that that's maybe not something that he's willing to participate in, but I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I think with what's going on most currently, because it's still, uh, it's still in a, uh, I don't know if litigation is the right term, but okay. it's still an ongoing thing. I think I'm supposed to just say I have no comment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't want to get you in trouble or anything, but yeah, I can, it's just... I can
1: tell you all about it as a bro off the record. Ooh, but
0: okay. On, that would be cool. Record, I I, know, and I, I I'm good at, i good. I put it in the vault, you know? It's like... So, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I
1: think anyone that subscribes to the other version, uh, it, it's simply because they... It's maybe like, oh, they either are curious or it's a, it's a, um, like a loyalty thing,
0: uh-huh. but
1: overall, if you, if you're just asking someone as far as any band goes, whether it's the Gun, Guns N' Roses or the Eagles or whatever, if you're looking at the, if you're looking at Keith Richards and Mick Jagger, that's the Stones. Sure. You're not going, man, yeah. Charlie Watts' version of the Rolling Stones right. is where it's at, Yeah, you know? And so you might really like Charlie Watts' backswing, but he's not the band. Sure. So especially when he's not even on the first album, original drummer.
0: True. Yeah.
1: So, and again, you got the singer, the songwriter, the guitar player Uh, to me, to me, it should be an obvious thing. And beyond that, I'm just going to go with the, I plead the fifth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So let's move on. Uh, Neon coven. This is yeah. a cool band. I just uh, discovered this from listening to interviews with you, but uh, Jacob Bunt uh, Bunt Bun- yep. did I say that right—is in there. Uh, yeah, Bunton. and uh, Anthony Monta. I don't know the <laughs> just, singer. The singer I, is great. Uh, you yeah, got a dr- Anthony, you got a real. I'm
1: sorry, I still can't pronounce your last yeah, name. Yeah,
0: you got a real drummer for this because it's kind of has like an EDM, a little bit vibe, kind of a poppy kind of. De- de- I think you call it Depeche Mode meets something else uh forget what what the other band that you said it was but it is I'll, very I'll it's very good it, stuff and uh i like that there is a real drummer in it and not just maybe there is some drum tracks on some songs but a lot of the songs i heard had a real drummer which i thought was really cool it's just a really neat mix of and the, that singer he really does sound like you're you're listening to like an 80s pop singer like he nails that it's fun stuff i mean are you guys gonna do any live shows or tour
1: you know th- thank you by the way uh Neon Coven has, has, has been great because it's really been a wonderful outlet for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, we all collectively love the eclecticness of the band because, and you know, we'll go from ministry to Kajagoogoo to Rob Zombie to, yeah. to Mode to Nine Inch Nails. Sort of,
0: I love all know, that stuff.
1: Hypo negative. So it's kind of spans that gamut. Um, we've done a few shows. It's not really meant to be like a touring project. Okay. Um, obviously if the, financial ability coupled with what's going on in the fucking world right now COVID and everything Mm -hmm. weren't an issue I'm sure we would do a lot of dates but I don't know that with everyone's schedules uh, specifically me and Jacob um, if that's even really an option I mean I'm sure we'll play a few more shows but I don't know that we're going to be touring per se but um, we put the record out in uh, May, I think Halloween or the 30th or something like that and we've had a few singles you know, get some terrestrial radio play and whatnot. And then, one of the three songs of mine on the album, uh "Dead to Me," which is probably the either the heaviest or second heaviest rec- song on the record, uh, is getting a ton of radio plays. It's, it's like number one sixty on the on the on the mainstream charts right now. Which oh,
0: is, okay, nice. Which
1: isn't anything to brag about, but considering we're an indie band that doesn't really exist, it's pretty good.
0: That's really good.
1: um And so we're getting a lot of terrestrial play on that. So if anyone wants to call their local radio station and and pump up dead to me by neon coven i would appreciate it
0: or get a, get and, you on um, those uh spotify playlists that's the big thing i hear now is if you get on a that, spotify playlist and then people that subscribe we to that
1: that a bunch too with yeah. especially the first single which was blaming on the drugs and that took off we got like one hundred and fifty thousand hits in the first month nice yeah and so you know it's just meant to be it's it, i don't want to call it solely a studio project but it's definitely more in more that, studio in that direction yeah
0: like what about, um, the, another studio thing that you did, uh, you did a song with pop star Tiffany is, yes, has this song come out or it no, cause I listened to a song and it, I was like, this can't be it. There's no guitars in this one. So this hasn't no, come that, out yet.
1: I think that sh- was supposed to come out in the fall. And again, that's what I COVID, thought. Yeah. Push back. I mean, we shot a video, we shot a video for that and everything. And it was meant to be like the lead single off her new album. And it's, a, it, I, I don't think she's disclosed what it is. So I obviously won't, but it's, it's a cover. Okay. And, um, and we had a really good time recording that. And we did it at, um, sunset sound is, you know, really great legendary studio. I mean, Zeppelin and the stones and fucking name a band is recorded. there. It's a great room. So great, uh, great vibes.
0: And tell me this other one you played in a music video, uh, with the singer of one of the biggest heavy metal bands of all time, but you can't say who it is, but can you tell us when that will come out?
1: Oh, the, are you talking about the Corey Taylor video?
0: Is it core? Oh, is that who it is? I didn't know. You couldn't it say just, any other-
1: it. It just came out like a week ago, oh. whatever you're probably referencing. It was probably before okay. the video came out. I haven't so seen it yet. Didn't mention it then. So it's yeah, a his so I'm in, solo I'm in the new, stuff.
0: Go ahead. It's his solo song then, or
1: yeah. From the CMFT project. So okay. His new, his newest single is a song called Samantha's gone. And the video uh, has this the CMFT band, Um, in it. And then also steel Panther. And then I love that sort of, a a mock band. Uh, we're mocking. I don't know if I should even say, but we're (laughs) mocking a popular (laughs) band that looks like they're from the seventies. Okay. And so, um, and, and my band was, uh, Greg Grunberg on drums, and Jonah Nemoy on keyboards and that's Leonard Nemoy's grandson. Oh. And Greg had been in some, a newer Star Wars movie and Jonah being a descendant of Le- Leonard Nemoy so we were talking about all the Star Trek and Star Wars and we were nice. really all just being nerdy fanboys and uh we decided to name our fictional band Trek Wars. Um and so we just had a blast shooting that video. it was like that the only fun. thing i did during covid that was uh, like a social thing okay because we all had to get on-site COVID tested but uh i know the cory band and i know the steel panther guys and i got to know the guys in this sort of fictional video band and so yeah. for one day in a six-month stretch it was like i had a normal life like i was like at a rehearsal hmm. at a video shoot with some friends and we were you know having Pizza and all this stuff, so that was cool. And I think what's today Thursday. I think that came out last week. So okay, that video
0: is pretty. I'll check that out. New. That's yeah. very cool. And then so horror movies, music, uh and then voice, voice acting. So you started doing prank calls when you were a kid, I think, like every kid did. But then in your twenties, you actually took like voice lessons, and then now you do voiceover work. So yeah, can you give us yeah, a taste of that? Like some of the I've heard some of the different voice. I heard like a. Uh, a reel or something on the internet.
1: Yeah. All my, all my, my demo reels are on my website. So if you go to acevonjohnson.com, yeah. there's a voiceover tab okay. that has, uh, my, I think up to somewhat up to date resume with some stuff. And then my reels and one, you know, uh, I, the thing I started hearing cause I hit puberty when I was like five years old. And so the thing I've been hearing my whole life was, Oh, you have such a nice speaking voice You're the speaking voice, blah, blah, blah. And my mom was always trying to encourage me to, into getting into radio mm. and I never really was interested in being a, a DJ or something like that per se. But, uh, I got, I started looking into voiceover in my twenties. I took, I studied professionally, if you will. I took a bunch of courses and some workshops and, you know, group things and and this, that, and the other thing. And that went on for a few years. And then I started reaching out to people and, and booking stuff and, just like anything and especially the music stuff a lot of it's just networking like mm-hmm. right place right time and who you know and so people would you know like yourself would be like oh i'm doing this thing for this thing if i give you a 100 bucks will you say these five sentences i would be like yeah so it just kind of went from there and then i got a few i've done a few things for netflix yeah um some some dubbing jobs
0: money heist and uh, the show marianne is that
1: yeah. Mary, Marianne, uh, some stuff for season three of money heist. I, I'm like eight different characters that are all like small. Okay. And then, uh, and then I did, uh, a show called the woods about six months ago. That's a murder mystery. And I'm a main character in that named Voitech. Um,
0: is it true that you, uh, pitched an animated series with Don Jameson from that metal yeah. show?
1: I don't know where you're getting all these factoids, but I'm impressed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. DJ. That's my guy. I talked to him a couple of days ago. I loved on.
0: Yeah. Um, I had him on the show. He's great. Did the, so that didn't go anywhere though. The show.
1: I wish it had, uh, you know, I have got a few things with some, a few, a few people that are animated based uh, that have made this, the rounds and been shopped and all this stuff. And um, because my dream is my goal is to do full-time uh, animation voiceover. Uh, that would be fun. You know, obviously it doesn't sound like it right now because I'm just talking to my speaking voice. But mm-hmm. uh, anytime I send anybody my animation reels, they're always like, which of the, which of the voices talking are you? And I'm like, they're <laughs> all me. And they're like the people talking to themselves. I'm like, those are all my voices. Right. Oh my God.
0: That's what a so voice funny. over real is. Yeah. That's funny. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so Don was, came out with pussycat several times as our support act and Don and Danny Nordahl from Pussycat, my bass player, and one of my best friends out there, uh, and I would, you know, throw back a beer and start talking about these, you know, concepts for TV sh- uh, animated shows. And we got back to L.A. and got with some people and came up with a uh, a pitch. And and we did a table read for the, the uh, what would you call that, the pilot? Sure. And uh, in the pilot, I think there were 12 characters and I voiced nine of them. Nice. So it was like there was a, a lot of me bouncing between characters and different voice inflections, yeah. which uh, if I'm in the right frame of mind, I can do. Okay. Nice. Um, but, uh, um, so yeah, so that was a thing and nothing happened with it, but mm. it would be great if it circled back and did. And then another friend of mine, uh, is, is pitching a series right now that, you know, fingers crossed, maybe something comes from it. And Jacob Button and I are, uh, we're basically ourselves. It's about a group of musicians. Okay. Uh, but it's meant to be sort of like Scooby-Doo. Like it's for like oh, fun. tweens.
0: Okay. Thing. That'd be cool. So we'll
1: see. I mean, I, I like anything in, in any of this entertainment stuff. I don't believe anything until I see it until yeah. I sign a contract and someone, right. You know, it, the ink dries. I don't believe. It. Absolutely.
0: So, so your buddy, being, just... you mentioned Danny, your buddy, uh, Danny Nordahl, the bass player from pussycat. Uh, I have to bring this up. I didn't know. I found this, that this, uh, video of him, fall getting drunk and falling and hitting his head on the drug. I can laugh because he's okay. He didn't get hurt, but I listened to you tell the story. He, you felt like he kind of deserved it that day. He was kind of, he was so drunk that he was like, he was kind of turning into that dick drunk, right? He was a fucking dick. <laughs> and Danny is one of the sweetest people on, yeah.
1: on earth. I would take a bullet for Danny. Wow. And he was having some personal issues at home and was just in a bad spot and was drinking excessively and he was sideways as we would say by noon and uh, my stepbrother and his wife came to the show and this was just outside of Atlanta and it was the first time they'd seen me perform maybe or at least in a long time Mm -hmm. at least with pussycat yeah and so it was important to me that you know I wasn't embarrassed in front of my family but clearly that was not an option and so I'll just say we did everything imaginable to get Danny to get his shit together, to play the show. And we knew that it was unlikely that he would complete his task, if you will. And
0: so, <laughs> so when you uh, say you had to do it, do you have to give him like cocaine and shit or what? It, like how? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're nodding for people that aren't seeing the video of this. Okay. Just checking.
1: I mean, I, you know, I'm not condoning that behavior, but you know, yeah. let's, Let's be honest. Uh,
0: you play in a rock band and the, they're known for sleaze rock. So this kind of <laughs> shit happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I lo- I love me a, J- a, a Jack and ginger, but I'm not a, I don't party per se when it comes to substances. No. And so, um, yeah, so they tried you know, I think at one point someone threw coffee, hot coffee on him, but I couldn't. Jesus. And, uh, look, being a, being a faster cat it, during that time before Tammy got sober is a real quick way to toughen you up. I'll tell you that. I bet. So, um, the bass player in the support band that was on the road with us was like a, like a musician's Institute kid, like, you know, could read music and everything. Mm-hmm. And so we basically said, here's 12 songs, learn them all, be ready to play them tonight. Mm. And so if you watch enough of the video, you'll see that almost seamlessly Danny's carried off stage and another guy comes up and plays bass.
0: So you had a backup ready basically.
1: Yes. But Danny made it through maybe 70% of this show. I saw some stuff online where it was like, Oh, we filled the first song. And it's like, no, that was the end of the show. Oh, okay. Uh, We, we, the set, I think at that point was in three or four segments and we were on the last segment of the show. So uh, regardless, and what he, what actually happened is if, again, if you review the footage, he was so messed up that my tech at the time drew who I hail amazing guy, put a chair on stage and was like, sit in the chair. And Danny was like, no, but yeah. if you watch, he's backing up and drunk and he trips over the chair. Oh, and so, and everybody thinks he hit his head into the drums, but he didn't, he hit his top of his shoulder on the drum riser, but he was so drunk that that whiplash makes his head look like it's his oh, head getting whipped. Okay. But the thing, the funny thing is is we got on the monsters of rock cruise the next day and at the time they didn't even have Wi-Fi on those things oh. So for six or seven days, we were off the grid. So all these people had created their own stories in their minds. Okay. So we got off the, cr- the cruise and people were like, I heard Danny died. I heard he hit oh his my head. God. A brain aneurysm. Jeez. Uh, and the video went to one of those like CNN clip shows, like internet clip shows. And he went viral. So his poor, like 87 year old mother is like having a coronary oh, thinking no. that her son fell on stage and died and can't reach him.
0: Oh boy. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we can laugh at it now, but at the
1: time it was anything but funny.
0: So is there a lot of that kind of shit that like, I heard you say something about like, you kind of hate people and you, you kind of have to be drunk to be social. But then I also hear you talk about, you know, your friends with Doyle from the misfits and Ricky Rockman. And these are some of your closest, like, so, so you kind of have like a love hate relationship with people.
1: No, I mean, I'm just not, I'm, I don't hate people. I'm just a misanthrope. I just would prefer to not interact with anybody. Really? And uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And um, like this whole COVID thing, like every, I know so many people, you know, jokes aside, so many people that are having a hard time with not being able to socialize or go out or do anything. And I'm like, I got the dog and my records. I'm good. Fuck all of y'all. Um, Ricky, uh, Ricky is one of my best friends in the world. Uh, I talk to Ricky probably every day. Okay. Uh, Doyle's a good friend. I, I love that guy. It's, it's a trip for me to be friends with someone that was my childhood idol. Um, but you know, I mean, Super and, cool. and I think Doyle's kind of a misanthrope a little bit too. I don't want to speak for him, but yeah. we, you know, I'm I just, if, if, if I, if I'm out on tour and I'm going to go to the merch table and talk to 30 or 50 people that I don't know that are, you know, uh, personality white wise all over the place. I have to be drinking. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I'm just too dry and too, like, you know, like it just, I can't, I just can't do it.
0: It's stressful um, when I, there's I, big, gr- you're not good in big
1: groups is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 I mean like with one or two or three people, I'm fine. But when you put a bunch of people around me or a bunch of strangers, yeah,
0: that's totally I'm different. Just,
1: I just, I, I just shut down.
0: That's me too. So, yeah. I can do this one-on-one. I can do this all day with people. But yeah, when it's yeah, like, same. even like five people, I'm like, who do I talk to? What do I do? It's like too like overwhelming.
1: I it, don't know. It, it, it's definitely overwhelming. And um, I'm i I'm a pretty guarded person and I've just had more, I've, I've just had a lot of things happen in my life that have made me not really enjoy uh, Human interaction, and so <laughs> well.
0: I, thank you for tolerating this. Then I appreciate that. No, no, this has been great. I okay. uh,
1: thank you for having me. A and B for I'm shocked at all the factoids you've got. I it's like some of the stuff I don't. You're you're like mentioning Murphy's Law. I'm like, oh yeah. But uh, so uh, no, I don't want people to think like I'm unapproachable or something like that. I'm just not the biggest social sure. person, and it, it's it in it, more so. It's just hard for me right. to put myself into that position. And the easiest way to do it is by having a fucking drink, you know? So, um, definitely helps not because I'm an alcoholic. I haven't had something to drink since Thanksgiving, but wow. um, just because it's the only way to
0: loosen me up to where I'm like,
1: yeah, yeah, let's take some pictures and talk about the weather.
0: You know? <laughs> so sure. That can be tough in those meet and greets and stuff. Um, yeah. well, let's talk about, uh, I'd like to end with a charity. So I know that you uh, work with the, the pit bulls. You have a pit bull and, um, you help kind of, facilitate people adopting dogs and stuff like that. I think that's really cool. What is the, is there a certain charity or organization that you work with though?
1: Oh, n- yes. And no, There's well, yeah. a that I'm affiliated with. Okay. Like I, I, I've got a loose partnership with the best friends
0: um, animal. What's the um, thing with Linda Blair from the exorcist. Well, that's another thing that I'm like, that's so cool that you know her.
1: Yeah. She was going to be funny enough. My third mention, I was going to mention best friends, animal society, org. Uh, and then I was going to mention stand up for pits with Rebecca Corey. I love okay. Rebecca. I love what she does. I love stand up for pits. And then my third go-to is, uh, Linda Hart. Wow. Linda Blair world heart foundation. There's okay. Too many word soup in my head. Okay. Word salad, word soup, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, Linda is amazing. She's a, such a sweet woman. Um, she does so much, so much good stuff for these poor animals. She's also like me, a big pit bull proponent and does a lot of pit bull advocacy and she also happens to be fucking Reagan from the exorcist. Um, yeah. She's, she's a, she's, I mean, you know, what I love about Linda is I'll get a text from her at like four seventeen in the morning and she'll be like, Hey, sweetheart, I was just thinking about you. So i to make sure you're okay. So, and so dog, this, do you know a person that whatever? And I just, cause I'm a night owl. Yeah. So uh, I just always trip out on that.
0: Well, that's you know, really cool. That name,
1: that name pop up on your phone. You're yeah. Like, that's cool. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend checking out Linda Blair World Heart Foundation, uh, Stand Up for Pits, um, Best Friends uh, Animal Society.
0: You I mentioned uh, Rebecca uh, Cory; she's a comedian, correct?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a she's done some TV stuff and a lot of stand up and everything. And Rebecca's a friend, and I adore her dearly, and she's great. And her foundation is amazing. Uh, they have this thing called the. Angel day where once a year they go and they take all these locations and they just do free spay and neuter mm. all over the place. And they, they raise a ton of money and she does a lot of, a lot of outreach and everything. I actually almost sent her a message today, but I got distracted with 10 other things, Yeah, but uh, she's a great group. And then also uh pinups for pit bulls in the Pittsburgh area, the Northeast somewhere. Uh, that's another great group uh, city dogs. I think it's called city dogs. I'm I, a lot of this stuff I'm just unprepared for. And I have that's to fine.
0: No, I can, out. I can fi- figure it out. I'll put a couple in the notes. So people want to, to look Please, into that yes, stuff City Dogs for sure. in the
1: Ohio area. Yeah. That's a big one that I really a- adore. And I have some outreach with, um, and, uh, and there's some other ones, but I'm just, unfortunately I'm drawing a
0: blank. Yeah, no, but, that's uh, fine. Do you think that a lot of, uh, the thing with pit bulls, they get a bad reputation. I feel like and any dog could really get a bad reputation. Do you feel like that's more, because of the owner though than the dog i mean a dog and a dog or a pet or a cat or whatever i mean they're just an innocent animal they don't know it's really have it has to do with how the owners control their animals right
1: it's absolutely it's i mean i can't single-handedly just say it solely is on the owner but it's it's a lot of it's just basically conditioning
0: so okay If you get
1: any pet and you and i mean domestic i'm not talking about like an alligator or something but <laughs> you get a dog or a cat or whatever yeah. that a puma you know uh if you have a, a large dog and you socialize it and train it from an early age on, then your chances of having an issue are pretty much next to nil. But because of, um, I'm trying to choose my word and carefully here, um, these types, uh, the pitbull type, because not technically a breed, it's a type. Um, pitbull type dogs are such people pleasers that it's easy to instill in them the wrong things to do oh so interesting! Easy. the 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 one of the things that these dogs were bred for is their uh inclination to want to please you and if you say kill that other dog it's going to go dad says i have to kill that other dog
0: oh that's the that's interesting part. okay that's on
1: people again so it's, talk about my misanthrop- misanthropy misanthropy yeah. again why i don't like people i don't do a ton of <laughs> charity work when it comes to human being stuff. Cause yeah. I just don't want to, uh, every year I do a ton of stuff for toys for tots. Cause I'll always do anything for children That's nice. or anything, anything cancer related. But beyond that, I just, I go right back to the animals and the dogs, especially, That's especially good. the pit bulls. But, um, you know, and if you get them and you train them to love other, like she doesn't have another, she doesn't have problems with other dogs, unless they try to mount her. She doesn't, doesn't, doesn't that don't play that
0: nobody wants that
1: yeah some people well but um you know uh besides that um you know a lot of it's just stereotyping and unfortunately it's something that we've been doing since the 50s uh we collectively used to stereotype german shepherds because german was in the title uh and then it was rottweilers and then it was uh doberman's and it's just what it really is is if you're going to have a dog that's 50 60 100 pounds you you have to be a responsible owner it's like if you dr- you get right. drunk and drive your car into a school bus that's not the car's fault Right. that's your dumbass fault
0: no and so, it's like or it's like those people that are at the zoo that jump over the fence and then the tiger eats them or the gorilla kills them and then they put, and then they they put, they put, the, put the animal, animal down on. i'm like what the fuck like you jumped into an animal's cage that's your fault like
1: and that's, um, that's where I go right back into the misanthrope thing. And I go, that's <laughs> called Darwinism. And that's that person's stupidity taking over. Yeah, And we don't need that person right now, yeah. do we? Sorry. So to yeah. murder an animal for that <gasps> is, is, yeah. is heartbreak. It's really sad. Yeah. So, and of course there are terrible things that have happened with all kinds of dogs, not just pit bulls, any, any large dog. But if you look at the statistics on pit bull types, The reason that they even are what they are is because you're not looking at one specific breed; you're looking at a type. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking, if you're looking, go well. Ten people in the last ten years were killed by pit bulls, and only one person was killed by a Doberman. You got to look at the statistics. Are well, there's infinitely more pit bull types than there are the other type of dogs.
0: Yeah, got to look at the percentages or whatever. Yeah.
1: It's like a, it's like a landmass thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and if you look statistically across America, aside from Chihuahuas, the most types of dogs you're going to find in pounds and shelters all across America are pit bulls. So it's no wonder that the statistics are as high as they are. And the problem is the reason they are so high is because people are breeding them backyard breeders for the wrong reasons. And then they're also fighting them and they're using them illegally and then they escape or they get out or they get dumped or abandoned because a lot of these dogs like my girl, they don't, she probably would have been a a fucking bait dog because a lot of them don't want to fight. So when they are useless, they get dumped and then they end up in a shelter. And then more often than not, my friend, they end up in a fucking garbage bag, which is why I don't like people and why I do like dogs. That's (laughs) not the dog's fault. I agree. That's a person's fault.
0: That is weird. And it's really weird to me. I don't know if you have this thing going on too, but like, I can watch a horror movie and I can watch some guy getting ripped to shreds his guts flying all over. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I know it's a movie. If I see an animal getting hurt in a movie, I can't, I can't can't watch it. It's like, it makes me sick to my stomach.
1: It's weird. I always get, I I get turned off on any movie where, uh, especially if it's a dog, Yeah. it's it's usually a dog versus a cat, but any movie where like a, like someone's domestic pet is shot or hurt, you know, and I can't think of anything right now. And I'm okay with that. I've definitely seen a movie (laughs) for sure. you know, they cut like, what is it? That, that John wick movie or something like that. Don't they oh, kill dog?
0: they kill his dog. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I wanted to, now they're on the third one and maybe during COVID. So recently I was like, Oh, I want to rewatch these movies, but I remembered they killed his dog. And I was like, you know what? I don't even want to see it. I don't even, I don't even care.
0: No, don't, want, don't need to I, see it. I know. I
1: like the movie. Yeah. And I want to watch them, but I don't want to revisit that scene.
0: Absolutely. Well, Uh, You've done so much. I like the charity work. You got, you got a Patreon uh, that people should check out neon coven, new LA guns coming out, new faster pussycat coming out. The new Tiffany song. If I'm curious, I like Tiffany. Uh, Anything else that I miss anything? It's a a rock album. It's great. Great. Is there anything else or anything I missed?
1: I don't know. Donate to a charity if you're choosing. Okay. Just, just cause five bucks, 10 bucks, a thousand bucks, whatever. Just That's awesome. The better about yourself.
0: Absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Ace. I really appreciate this. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. We'll appreciate have to keep in touch. It. Absolutely. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Well, that was just a blast uh, chatting with Ace. I was a fan before uh, definitely a faster pussycat Nelly guns and even neon coven. Uh, But I am now just a full-on Ace Von Johnson fan, and I'll continue to follow his career wherever he goes. Uh, Make sure to follow him on social media so that you can keep up too. Uh, And if you enjoyed this episode, check out some of the other episodes I've done, like former LA Guns bassist Adam Hamilton, who actually plays drums on their latest single. Uh, You can also hear my interview with Steve Riley, the drummer of the other version of LA Guns. And I got tons of other great in-depth interviews to check out. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes because I got some great guests lined up, assuming they don't cancel. Uh, And if you want to support the show, you can like or share my stuff on social media or write me a nice review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember to shoot for the moon.